Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Fourth and Manageable, an SEC football podcast. Brought to you by 2400 Sports. Now, here's Brad Edwards. All right, well, welcome into Fourth and Manageable with Ashley Holder and Brad Edwards, the amazing Brad Edwards. I have to, like, put some extra oomph to your name because it's not just Brad Edwards. You know, you're, you're, I, you're I, the I got to get my wife to talk about me that way, Ashley. Oh, the, the listen, amazing I know that Brad she Edwards. talks about you like that. Stop. <laughs> don't, don't give me that much, uh, that much credit. But listen, we have a non-sexy slate of games going on this weekend, but we do have some fun conference games in the SEC. Obviously, we've got Georgia and South Carolina as well as Mississippi State and LSU. This is our first segment. Let's break it down. Georgia and South Carolina, the number one team going up against the team that's just trying to rebuild this program. Can Georgia really get through another game without allowing a touchdown? That's where we're going to start right now. Yeah, it's been an impressive start. When you consider how much they lost off last year's defense, we knew they'd still be good on that side of the ball because the talent is so good but to have not really dropped off at all. I mean, they they haven't allowed a touchdown, as you mentioned, through the first two games. South Carolina is going to test that because South Carolina, you know, is capable of making big plays in the passing game. And, you know, at any point, you know, one slip up by the Georgia defense, one missed assignment, you know, could end up being a touchdown. But uh, it's also a South Carolina offense has been very inconsistent. And, and so I, I wouldn't be shocked if Georgia is able to do that. Um, but but yeah, I mean, you know, every game we're going to kind of learn a little bit more about Georgia just because it is hard to believe that they could have lost as much as they did. I mean, on, on both sides of the ball, but especially on defense and, and still be as good as they've looked through these first two games. So uh, they are completely deserving of being the number one team right now. I'm not sure why the coaches don't see that. The, the AP voters saw that and appropriately moved them to number one this week. Uh, but but yeah, um, that that's I guess is the, the first order of business. Can Georgia's defense keep South Carolina out of the end zone? Yeah, and I mean, I wrote a couple of notes down that I was reading about the game earlier, and I I was really impressed with you know the first couple games, obviously with quarterback Stetson Bennett. He has no interceptions, and he's completing seventy five point four percent of his passes. Who passes more than him? Take a guess. Can you? In the SEC. Yeah. Uh, Will Rogers of Mississippi State. Oh, I tell you, I'm telling you, that is why I put amazing <laughs> in front of Brad Edwards because that's how good you are. But yeah, so I mean, what do you expect out of this guy coming up against this South Carolina team, which we will get into? That is, this is their first game on the road. Yeah, and, and look, the thing for Stetson Bennett is he's finally at a point in his career where you know every game is not a referendum on whether he should be the starting quarterback. He, he has earned that right, and. Truth be told, I, I think by halfway through last season, Kirby Smart, whose vote is the only one that counts, was convinced that Stetson Bennett was the starting quarterback at Georgia. But for a lot of the fan base, every time he'd have a so-so game or, or even a so-so quarter, everyone started thinking, oh, maybe maybe the backup, who was JT Daniels last year, you know, should be the guy that we see out there. At this point, it, it's his team. It's his offense. And the, the way he's playing, 
I mean, how can you not be confident in, in his ability to not just make the plays that need to be made when they need to be made? I mean, he, he did that in the fourth quarter with the, the whole season on the line in the national championship game, uh, but also to make the right decisions, uh, to, to not force balls, um, you know, to, to be safe with it. And look, as good as their offense is, when your defense is playing as well as George's is, you know, every now and then, you know, discretion is the better part of valor. Like just, just punt, you know, there's nothing wrong with a punt when you have a defense like George's and and he understands that now at this stage of his career and he's, he's not forcing things and, and that makes them even that much more dangerous of a team. And that's what the South Carolina defense has to do, right? Get straight to the quarterback, disrupt the quarterback, find a way to get Georgia off of the field, not leave them on there all day. Yeah, look, Tyler Bray and I were talking about this after the the first game of the season for Georgia against Oregon, which is as, as strange as it sounds, given what Georgia's been for the last 15 years. If you're a defense going up against them, you want to force them to run the ball. <laughs> I mean, we know about all the, the running backs that they've cranked out and and they've still got good ones there, but I'd rather take my chances with their running game. And so far, look, if there's anything that you could nitpick about Georgia's team on either side of the ball – they haven't really established the run as well as as you would like them to. And so I think for Georgia, that's probably a point of emphasis in this game. But on the other hand, I don't think it's essential if they keep throwing the ball. Uh, and, and look, th there's a lot of short passing. You know, th there's a lot of that controlled passing game, which in a lot of ways serves as a running game uh, in a roundabout way. And, and as long as they're doing that as efficiently as they have, they don't have to be able to run the ball but every coach wants to be able to run it, you know, and, and especially in short yardage situations where you got to pick up a yard or two. And, and so I, I think that's something that George is definitely going to be looking at uh, as yeah. something they can improve upon in this game. Yeah. You want to be able to hit on all cylinders, obviously. And right now their total offense is 525 yards per game compared to South Carolina's, which is 361. A lot of that is through the air for Georgia, yep. but for Georgia, who is having their first game on the road, you know, it's never easy to play on the road, right? Yes, you're playing the number one team in the nation right now, but 75,000 fans roughly is what they carry it, uh, at at that stadium in Columbia, South Carolina. For Clemson, they said it was 77,000 ended up fitting in that stadium the last time they played there. And I'm thinking, well, how does that work where you add <laughs> two to 3,000 more people in a stadium that only holds that? But anyways, I mean, they're going to be facing a loud, loud, loud stadium. Of course, everybody practices with the loud noise, the fake noise, things like that. But do you think any of that possibly could disrupt Georgia and their flow? You know, given all that they've been through in the last few years, the rise of this program and becoming, you know, one of the programs in college football, they go out every week with a, with a target on their back. They've been in some really hostile environments over the last couple of years. I don't think they're going to be phased by that. But at the same time, we, we still are talking about, you know, 18 to 23 year olds, and they're going to be affected by a rowdy crowd more than, you know, professional players would be. And so if you're Georgia, one of the things you want to do is just, like you say, click on all cylinders and do it right out of the gate. Don't give this team and this crowd any reason to believe, um, because the longer they stay in the game, it's not so much that they affect Georgia as much as they affect South Carolina, right? You know, they give the home team confidence and they get them excited. And I, I think I think that's where the crowd really could be a factor in this game, because th this is a, a program that that 
feels like it made some good strides last year in year one with, with Shane Beamer. And, and they're, they're looking for something else to get excited about. They, they hung in really for three quarters last week at Arkansas, didn't get the result that they wanted. Um, and, and this is, look, I, I hate to say you could have a moral victory in the SEC, but given where these two programs are right now, if South Carolina can just be competitive for four quarters, this would feel like a win for them. And, and so I, I think they're they're going into this with nothing to lose, obviously. And and it, the longer that they can hang around, make some plays, the more that crowd is going to be a factor. So I think for Georgia, it's not so much about being affected by the crowd as much as don't let the crowd uh, really pump up the home team. Well, it seems for Georgia right now, the only people that can beat them is themselves. So exactly to the point that you're making right now, Georgia and South Carolina playing at noon tomorrow. So people are probably happy that that's an early game. On the other side, we've got Mississippi State, who's 2-0, and taking on LSU, who's 1-1. That game's at 6 p.m. on Saturday. Um, this one is a toss-up. This is what you were saying on the last episode. You know, it could go either way right now. So for you, I know we've been talking a lot about, you know, how good is Mississippi State's defense? Yeah, and that, that to me is a big question, not only for this game, but for this season. Um, because they, they've looked good. They've looked solid through two games that I, I think were both against teams that, that are going to be decent to good offensively this year, Memphis and Arizona. Um, and th that's the fun thing about college football, though. Week two, you, you think you know what teams are, but sometimes, you know, as the season plays out, you realize that someone wasn't as good as you thought they were when the season started, or, or maybe they end up being a lot better than you thought. So we don't really know for sure, but but I've been impressed with what they've done on that side of the ball to this point. And if you go back like what almost three years, whenever it was that Mike Leach took the Mississippi State job, one of the things that I felt is like, okay, he, he's going to get guys in there who are going to do what he wants to do offensively. But the one opportunity that Mike Leach has at Mississippi State that he never had at his previous head coaching stops, Texas Tech and Washington State, is that in the SEC, at that program, he has the chance to recruit players on the defensive side of the ball with more talent than he's ever had on his teams before. And, and I, I think he has that now. Now, Mississippi State has had some really good defenses uh, a few seasons in the last 10 or so years. And uh, is this going to be one of them? I don't know. But, but it, is, it is kind of scary to think that what, I mean, what would a Mike Leach team look like if they had a not just decent, but good defense to go with that offense? And so that's why I think it, it's not just a key for, for Saturday. It's a key for the whole season and, and really for the whole Mike Leach era as far as what they're capable of, of accomplishing is how good can they be on defense? Because that's that's something he's never really had since uh, maybe since he was offensive coordinator at Oklahoma, <laughs> the last time that he really had a defense that he could count on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you talk about him being successful on the defensive side. Offensively, they're pretty run heavy. You look at uh, Johnson and Marks, 45 rushes and 19 receptions for, for them both. How does that play into making sure that you're clicking on both sides of the ball where you're making sure you're running the ball, your offensive line is working, and obviously the defense doing their part to get them back on the field? Yeah, you mentioned those running backs, Johnson and Marks, and 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 you you talked about the the ball distribution and how you know they're they're carrying it uh, you know forty five times through two games as opposed to to catching it nineteen times through two games. Now, for most teams in college football, 
you'd look at 19 receptions by the running backs through two games and you'd say that that's a lot. And, and it is, I, I bet it ranks pretty high nationally, but for Mike Leach, his offense and, and the way he defines balance. And I'll get into that in just a second. Um, the 45 rushes through two games for his top two running backs is just mind blowing. Like, like, I, I don't know what's gotten into Mike Leach, but he's he's been trying to establish the run here in the first two games. I'm not sure if that'll carry over here into conference play because the way that Mike Leach looks at it is, is that balance is not close to a 50-50 run-pass split. The way he looks at it is, and, and, and I happen to agree with him. Uh, I've had a number of conversations uh, with, about this with him over the years, is that balance as far as it affects a defense is, is making them defend every area of the field. So he really doesn't care. Obviously, if you've watched the teams play, how often he runs the ball, what he cares about is that the running backs are capable or a threat to get the ball at any, any part of the field. So whether it's just by handoff, you know, in the backfield or whether it's a swing pass or a screen, you know, to the outside or getting the running backs downfield. And then on top of that, all of his other eligible receivers, you know, that that you you run routes where these guys, you have to worry about them catching passes both short, intermediate, and long. And so every player on that field who's eligible to catch the ball could get it at just about any place on the field. And that's what he looks for. And so yeah, it is it is kind of curious to me that he's as you know, balanced. I mean, it, it, you know, for for Mike Leach, that's uh, that's a pretty heavy uh, run lean right there through two games. So we'll we'll see if he uh, if if that's like a trend for this season or whether that's just the way it's played in the first two. So for you, who comes out on top? Mississippi goes to three and zero, or does LSU move to two and one? For now, uh, I'm I'm just more confident in Mississippi State than I am in LSU, and not not by a lot. Okay. Just, you know, sometimes in week one, you see things that it just takes a few weeks to change your mind. And LSU looked so bad in that first game. And I realized they still almost won it, or at least almost got to overtime. It, it's just hard for me to, after one impressive performance against an overmatched team from Southern, that you would say, oh, I'm a, I'm, I'm a believer in LSU now. I think they've solved their problems. No, no. I mean, it's going to take more than that. And so... Uh, what I've seen from both teams through two games, I just have more confidence in Mississippi State. Um, but like I like I told you on Tuesday, this is this is a toss up game, and 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 obviously LSU at night in Tiger Stadium, it's tough to pick against them. But um, Mississippi State has done this before. We've we've seen them win in this situation. Mm -hmm. That 2014 game with Dak Prescott and company is one that comes to mm -hmm. mind, and uh, Mississippi State won that one and went on to have a great season. <laughs> So maybe history repeats itself a couple of years later. We'll what about prediction um, numbers? I mean, what do you see this? What do you see this? Uh, 21 nothing. We see it. No, I, I I see this as a higher scoring game. And I know I just said that I, I, I have confidence in the Mississippi State defense, or at least I think they've been playing solidly mm -hmm. so far. I think there's probably a better way to say it. Not that I'm sold, but I'm, I'm encouraged by what I've seen from them. I think this game is probably in the 30s. Um, LSU is a good offensive team, and and it, you know if if they can just make strides in that passing game, and you know the the quarterback and receivers be 
on the same page a lot better than they were against Florida State, and they should be week three compared to week one. I, I think they're going to be able to score some points. I think Mississippi State's going to score some. So I, I look at this as a 35-31 type of game if, if, if you're asking me for a score prediction. So what I, I have no idea what Vegas is saying and whether that's close to what the, uh, the, the predicted number would be, uh, but that's yeah. kind of the way I see this game playing out. Well, that that game again taking place uh, at six p.m. So that's one more of a, a late night game, and that should be a fun one, especially if it's a close score, as you said, um, by three points. But let's move to the non-conference games. This one, 